I'm glad to be here this evening. When I was eight years old in Bible school, I went forward when we had altar call because I didn't want to be the only one left sitting on the pew. By age 10 or 11, uh, I became aware that uh, I was not saved, but I was too embarrassed to admit it to anyone. One Sunday morning, when I was 16 years old, I was sitting in the back of the auditorium with the rest of the teenagers, and I don't have any idea what the preachers said that Sunday morning, but when the message, uh, invitation was given, I came under conviction. I prayed, asked God to come in, Jesus to come into my heart, and then went forward to make it public. When Brenda and I were married, we began searching for a church home that we could join. We became very active in the church, and that's where we made many of our friends, and the church was the center of our social life. When I was transferred to a new location, we began that process all over again. I was later transferred to Panama City, Florida, which was 12 hours from Brenda's parents and 18 hours away from mine. We grew as a couple and grew grew uh, very much in our faith and commitment during this time. After a few years there, we began to uh, pray for a transfer back closer to our families. I was offered a transfer, and uh, after much prayer, Brenda and I made a trip to the location uh, to check it out. Uh, we decided that the Lord wasn't leading us in that direction, and I turned the transfer down. I was called in the next day to the office of my supervisor's boss and again offered the transfer. I explained that after much prayer, Brenda and I did not think that God was leading us to accept it. And that afternoon, I was called in again and offered the transfer and more money and told to go home and talk to Brenda and come back the next morning and give my answer. Brenda and I went to our church and asked one of the ministers for guidance. He asked us if, uh, how we, if we felt at peace when we had first turned the transfer down, and we did. He then asked us how we felt now, and we said we felt confused. He stated, the devil is the author of confusion. God is not. The next day, I again turned the transfer down. The top boss, with anger in his voice, declared that I would never be offered a transfer again. Six months later, I was offered a transfer with a promotion to Nacogdoches, Texas, four and a half hours away from Brenda's family. God is good all the time. In Nacogdoches, we began, I became very active in the church, and I began helping in the two-year-old Sunday school class uh, because they wanted a male presence with the children. Later, jo uh, Brenda joined me as we became prim uh, the primary teachers in the class. On April the 17th of 1988, I was ordained as a deacon by the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. Several years later, as Brenda and I experienced the empty nest syndrome, problems at work, the death of Brenda's father after a long illness, and other problems that life threw at us, Brenda and I began to drift apart. I resigned as teacher of the two-year-old Sunday school class and asked to be put on the inactive deacon role. I judged that my life was not reflecting the proper influence the person in these positions should be. Uh, Brenda, <clears throat> Brenda sought counseling, and after a while, I began to go with her, but our situation continued a downhill slide. Finally, the counselor said that he had taken us as far as we could go. 
but uh, and said that he saw nothing in our future but divorce. He suggested that we attend a marriage seminar and maybe God would work a miracle. I chose a program which was a full weekend with 12 follow-up sessions and after the weekend. It was peer-led and based on biblical principles. God did work a miracle that weekend. In fact, God has led Brenda and I over the uh, years since to become very involved in working in this ministry. Excuse me. In the four years that we've uh, been here in Wimberley, uh, we have worked in vacation Bible school each year. Uh, I have to work behind the scenes in the kitchen or somewhere. Even though I wear hearing aids, uh, I just cannot understand the small children talking. Their voice is too high, but I try to help in some way. Uh, Brenda has with me in that help. And I've become very active in Carpenter's Helpers. And we have also uh, been very fortunate to uh, see our son-in-law and our oldest granddaughter accept Christ while we've been here. I have adopted the following scripture as a guide. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who in any, in any affliction, that the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Again, I'm, uh, I'm John Dunn. I know a lot of you, some I don't, so I'm going to take a few minutes to tell you a little bit about who I am and how I came to be uh, joining the Deacon Fellowship here in Wimberley at First Baptist. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't start with the young lady sitting there with me. Sandy and I have, uh, uh, we celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary in May, but since we started dating when we were sophomores in high school, we'd like to say that it was our 50th anniversary. Uh, we both grew up in Alice, Texas. If you know your South Texas geography, uh, I'm the oldest of eight children. Sandy was the oldest of three. Believe me, I, I know the oldest and oldest thing that I could tell you stories. Sandy and I have uh, raised three wonderful sons. Uh, oldest son, Brian, and his wife, Whitney. Uh, Brian is a, an associate pastor uh, at one of the mega churches in the Woodlands, uh, Stonebridge. Um, and uh, they have uh, three children now. I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a few minutes. Uh, he also leads worship there. I've been trying to get he and Dan together for a while, and we're still... Still working on that one. Um, Brad, middle son Brad and his wife Katrina actually have just moved over the last couple of weeks from Midland uh, back to the Austin area where he is uh, looking for a job in the commercial real estate business. So if any of you have any leverage in commercial real estate, I'm, uh, I'd like to talk to you after the service tonight. Uh, youngest son Jay is a practicing dermatologist in Houston. Uh, he's uh, unencumbered at the moment, but Sandy and I are optimistic that 
his uh, latest uh, sweetheart, Veronica, may change that in the next year or so. We also have uh, six beautiful grandchildren, uh, the most recent of whom, Samuel, joined us in February when uh, oldest son Brian and Whitney adopted from mainland China. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if any of you have been through an adoption process, but it has been a life-changing process for the whole family and one that I highly recommend. been a real blessing to all of us. Uh, after high school, Sandy and I dated through college, her at Texas Tech, me and Aggie Land. Um, we were married after graduation in 1974. And folks, I will tell you, after 42 years of marriage, I can uh, point to the truth in Proverbs 31.10 that says, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. So that's my hope diamond sitting right there in the, in the pew in front. I spent 33 years with Siemens Corporation. Sandy and I lived all over the world uh, and eight more years with Brandt Engineering. Uh, and I actually retired in April of this year, so I'm uh, entering a new season. Uh, although I was raised in a Catholic family and attended parochial school through the eighth grade, uh, I really didn't know the Lord until later in life. Uh, in 1987, when Sandy and I were living in the Atlanta area, I attended a weekend retreat that some of you may be familiar with called the Walk to Emmaus. Uh, and, uh, and it was at the Walk to Emmaus uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, that uh, I met uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sandy and I became very active in our uh, local church, First Baptist in Roswell, Georgia. And uh, we were even, uh, we were baptized along with our three sons, the five of us together, in uh, early 1990. If, if you haven't ever been through a family communal baptism, I highly recommend it. One of those life-changing experiences. Speaking of life-changing experiences, in the fall of 1990, I discovered a small mole on my lower back. And uh, when it continued to bother me for a little while, I had it checked. It turned out it was diagnosed as a melanoma. If you know anything about melanoma, it's really untreatable by traditional uh, traditional treatment regimen. So I had surgery, had a large area removed from my back, and uh, was pronounced cured, uh, and we went on with our lives. That was 1990. Fast forward 25 years to the end of last August, a year ago right now, uh, I was actually out on the Blue Hole Trail jogging, or what passes for jogging at this point in life, and I noticed some soreness under my left arm, and it persisted over several days, so I had it checked out. Over the next several weeks of late August and early September of last year, I had a whole progression of tests. I had a PET scan, two brain MRIs, two biopsies, and, and a whole range of tests. Uh, I got a call about a week later informing me that the tests were positive for melanoma and that it had spread to my lymph nodes, which is not good news. While all this was going on, I can tell you that there were a lot of sleepless nights. Um, I knew that I was saved, but, you know, that doesn't get rid of the worries in our lives, does it? Uh, I was sad about a lot of things that I would miss if the Lord chose to call me home right now, birthdays and weddings and graduations and all of those things that you think about. I was worried whether I had my financial house in order. If I wasn't here, would Sandy have everything that she needed? Lots of questions that I honestly hadn't thought about before. Um, where will I be buried? 
who are my pallbearers going to be? True story. I, I got up about 3 o'clock one morning. I think I had been awake all night, and I finally got out of bed. And I sat down and started writing my own eulogy. That was the uh, middle part of September of last year. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but while all this worry was consuming me, thousands of prayers were being offered up on my behalf. Sandy, my family, my Tuesday night CBS Bible study class in San Marcos, my Sunday school fellowship, and many of you here tonight in this church were praying for me. About a week after the melanoma diagnosis, during my prayer time one morning, I had what I can only describe as a true revelation. I suddenly realized that cancer is an attack from the enemy and that the goal is to steal the joy from our lives. I didn't have to let that happen. Sandy will remember this day. I came home and I said, we got to talk about this. Satan can't take that joy away from our lives unless we let him do it. And we decided that day that we weren't going to let that happen. So Sandy and I prayed about it, and, and really from that point onward, we really had a whole different perspective on the experience that we were going through. I'm going to preface this next comment by, by saying I try to commit all of Mike's sermons to memory. Some stick better than others. In, uh, in late September, you, you'll remember this one, Mike preached a sermon about how we believers should help to prepare people for eternity. That that was one of, our, one of our roles. And I realized that the Lord, in the midst of this illness, because of all the attention that I had gotten at work and people calling me and people that I knew weren't believers talking to me about, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about you and all of these things, that, that there was a great opportunity in the midst of all that to, to help other people who didn't know about the good news. So I made a promise that regardless of how my battle ended and regardless of how much or how little time I had left, that I'd redoubled my efforts to be a messenger for the Lord. On Monday, last, Monday September 21st of last year, along with Sandy and, and Dr. Jay Dunn, my dermatologist's son, uh, we met with the oncologist to review the latest test results that I had gotten. The doctor walked in, true story, Sandy will testify to this, the doctor walked in and said, well, I didn't think I'd be telling you this today, John, but I have some good news for you. And he went on to explain that he'd seen similar cases in the past, and usually if someone had a, had a melanoma and then had a recurrence much later, that, that it, would, it, it spread and the news typically wasn't very good. In my case, from the inception of the melanoma to when it recurred was 25 years, and so it had had all that time. And so he fully expected to come in and tell me that, uh, he had some very bad news for me that day. Instead, he, he said he was shocked, his words, when he saw the PET scan results and he found that the melanoma was 100% contained in a single lymph node under my left arm. True story. He then said he asked me if he could hire out my prayer team for his practice. That's a true story. On October the 5th of last year, I had an operation called an axillary dissection. I see a couple of women nodding in the room here. Um, if any of you women have ever dealt with breast cancer, then you're familiar with the removal of the lymph nodes. And so I, had, I, I learned some, some new details about the body. I had 13 lymph nodes, and, and I had them all removed. My follow-up appointment on October the 15th of last year confirmed that I was cancer-free, miraculously. There's no doubt in my mind that the Lord 
performed a miraculous healing in my life. No doubt in my mind. The circumstances are such that there's no other answer. And, I, and I'm forever grateful for that in the time that I was given. But here's, here's what I really want to close with. Here's, here's the real message of this. The truth of the matter is that my healing didn't take place at St. David's South in Austin on an October morning last year. My healing took place at the walk to Emmaus in Roswell, Georgia, 30 years ago when I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's what really was brought into perspective in, in my life. You see, what I figured out is that none of us is getting off the planet alive. Unless the Lord comes back first, every one of us is terminally ill. All of us lose this battle eventually. And so that I, I can tell you truthfully that the sense of peace that I had through this entire ordeal, because it was that at different times, whether or not the good Lord chose to heal me as he did miraculously was a direct reflection of the sure knowledge that I have that I will spend eternity because of a risen Savior. And, and that's the really good news of, of what I went through last year. So uh, I'm done. I, I just I wanted to share that, and, and I would appreciate your continued prayers for Sandy and I And uh, as I enter the Deacon Fellowship here. Thanks. Well, my, my story started in Port Arthur many years ago where I was born. Unfortunately, I was born into a, into a Christian family. My dad uh, owned a service station. He worked long hours, worked a lot of Sundays. So my mother was more the spiritual leader in the family. We went to the first Christian church. I guess I was about eight or nine years old when I decided that, uh, that I'd give my life to the Lord. That's when I first when I first was personally involved in the uh, the power of the Spirit, I guess the boldness of the Spirit, because a shy little eight-year-old, I got in front of the whole congregation, the Lord and the preacher, and I was asked, do you believe that Jesus is a Christ, is the Son of the living God, and you accept him as your Savior? And I said, I do. But that was it. I remember the great feeling I had after that, and I just, my mother was telling me that I was washed as white as snow, and I kind of looked down. <laughs> I can see any white, but I, as I, I think back on my spiritual journey, a couple of years uh, after that, and I was thinking about this when the pastor was talking about the attitude and the mood we should be in when we take communion. I remember being a competitive little kid. I guess again it was a couple of years later. I visited the, the church with my with my cousin, the Church of Christ, and as they passed the communion out, it was, every Sunday was communion Sunday uh, at the, the Church of Christ. I wanted to grab the, the biggest cup, you know, the fullest cup, and I took it and grabbed it and be my competitive nature. And I looked over at my cousin, to, you know, my cup, and he was in prayer. I mean, just in peaceful prayer. And I looked over there, looked at my cup, and I thought, I'm missing something. You know, I knew there was something there that I wanted. So I couldn't wait till the next communion Sunday or the next Sunday the next Sunday when I took the communion, I went to the Lord, and I said my prayer. And the Lord showed me to reflect back on everything Jesus had done. And some of the things that the pastor was saying last week, and it was just a, just a great feeling, just a, just a high a little closeness that I had with the Lord. And so communion is very special to me. Uh, 
after, well, I married Carlene and I got married. Carlene was, uh, was a Catholic. And I was uh, Church of Christ, no, excuse me, first Christian by that time. I was first Christian, and uh, we, this is another long discussion, but we had, we had meetings, you know, after we got married and everything, to decide which church that we'd go to. But we ended up uh, going to the, the, the Christian church, Bel Air Christian, because my sister and brother-in-law went to that church. But uh, I became a young, young police officer in Houston, and... Uh, uh, in juvenile division. I remember Billy Graham was in town. Billy Graham talked at the uh, Rice Stadium, and we went to it, Carly Young, Carly, and I, and you know, still, you know, we're, we're spiritually maturing, and we thought, well, what a great sermon, and we went down to the front when he had the altar call. But I remember one of the volunteers, you know, asking me what I did for a living. I told him I was a police officer, and he said, wow. What a, what a great mission field, man. This is great for you. And I, when, I, when I left there, I thought, wow, I'm going to feel great about recommitting my life, but that's a pretty rough mission field. You know, I'm working with all these, these juvenile delinquents, you know, the kids are having problems, and I'm thinking, I don't think the Lord wants me to, to you know, bring all of them to Christ. And I thought, you know, as I was laboring over fortunately, I'm not sure exactly what the chronology but Carlene and I were asked to, to be youth sponsors in the church. And I thought, wow, what a better mission field. Oh, God, you, you were so merciful. So that was much easier mission field for me. That's what, what Carlene and I did. We taught the, the, uh, the high school kids in the, in the, uh, in, in the church and uh, really, really enjoyed that and learned a lot. Learned more from them, I think, than I did the kids that uh, were having problems on the street. But. Uh, not too long after that, uh, we prayerfully changed, uh, changed jobs, and I worked for the government. I was a Secret Service agent. In the next few years, the next number of years, our life involved a lot of traveling, a lot of transfers, a lot of, a lot of uh, working Sundays. And I, I think I, I kind of stood on, uh, on God's grace and, and what's said in, in uh, Psalms 3.3. It's the... The Lord is, is my shield, my glory, and the one that lifts my head. It seems during that period of time, I was doing a lot, of, a, a lot of praying, a lot of asking for protection, and a lot of asking God to lift my head through difficult times. But, you know, through the grace of God, we raised three kids, three Christian kids, and uh, we... Uh, Retired, and after after retirement, we we chose. I let Carlene uh, determine, wish her way wherever she wanted to live, and she chose Wimberley. We when we came here, we're uh, we're talking about you know we're we're visiting different churches, trying to determine what what uh, what church we want to join. And I kind of kind of leaned toward the the little first Christian church between here and in uh, in San Marcos, and my. Former Catholic wife, for some reason, picked the Baptist church. Would you believe? But, but, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I, for a period of time, what I'd do, I'd go to the First Christian Church, early service, and then come uh, to, to the, uh, the Baptist church with her. But, you know, the more that I visited, this was in the old building. You guys have been around a while. Mary Kate. Was one was one of my one of my mentors, was a neat person. But uh, 
I just started, we, we both started seeing the love of, of God in so many faces. I mean, it's like for so many years, it seems like I was focusing on, you know, what God could do for me. You know, how God could help me. You know, how he could protect me. How he could lift my head. But then I saw a lot of people that were, it's like they were concentrating on what they could do for God. And I wanted some of that. So Carly and I then, you know, we talked about it, prayed about it, and uh, we both decided to join the Baptist Church. And it was just such a neat experience to, to approach, you know, life so differently. And instead of, again, instead of saying, and certainly it was still we asked God, you know, for, to, to help us in, in various things. But it's good to pay back just to ask, you know, what, what can we do for God? But, it's, but I was honored, you know, when I was asked, to, to be uh, a deacon and to serve God in, the, in another way through, through, Southern, through, through serving his people. But it uh, wasn't an easy decision. I uh, gave it a lot of thought, gave a lot of prayer. And uh, I didn't get a definite no or a definite yes as I, as I was in prayer. It's like I was kind of waiting, I think, for something kind of definitive. And I thought, well, the deadline was kind of coming in. I thought, well... I guess there's no definite no, so I'll go ahead and, uh, and I told the pastor in, uh, in gym that was, was rushing me uh, since the deadline was near. I said, "Well, I thought, well, I'll go, I'll go ahead and do it, you know." Until and because Lord didn't, the Lord didn't say don't do it. So I got. Uh, I don't know if uh, if, you, if, you, if you guys know other than the deacons, but there's like a questionnaire that you fill out. To give your uh, your uh, your beliefs on different things and you know how you feel about different things, I started that you know and I, I kind of set it aside and I you know I'm still in prayer and then one morning it was about three or four in the morning when I woke up and I said well I still haven't gotten a message from the Lord I said even though you know I haven't got a no I, I haven't gotten a yes so I think what I'll do is I'll talk to the pastor. And I'll say, Pastor, I, you know, I'd love to do it, but this is not the right time. You know, I haven't heard from the Lord. And I said, well, I'll go to prayer one more time. And when I did, all of a sudden, a good feeling came over me. You know, it's just kind of a, just kind of a high. You know, I, I popped up and started filling out the questionnaire and filled it out. And, that's in, you know, from that time on, it's like the Lord has given me a message personally, and that's what I'm going to do. So. So that's where I am today, and I just thank you so much for putting me in the position, and I, and I, I ask for your prayers as, uh, as I serve our God by serving you guys. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice in what you have done in the life of Harry Logan and that is ordained today. The Savior has called him, taught him, and is greatly using him. Today we thank you for his parents, grandparents, spouse, children, loved ones, friends, teachers, mentors, and men and women who have built into his life preparing him for the ministry to which you have called him. Our passionate wish, Lord, is that you will use Harry far beyond his expectation. We know that you are able to far more than anything else we ask. We pray that you will keep him humble and righteous and guide his light to shine in the midst of the darkened world. Father, we ask you will go before him 
Lead him in your path. Multiply his giftedness to extend and enrich the body of Christ. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, uh, Harry, if you and Carlene, if y'all come up here. We've got a little certificate of ordination. and uh, I just want to read it. It says, uh, Certificate of Ordination. Harry Paul Logan, having been chosen as one of good report, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and capable of using the office well, was set apart publicly to the office and work of deacon by First Baptist Church, Wimberley, Texas, on this day, August 7, 2016. And, of course, uh, I signed it, uh, Jim, as our chairman of deacons, and, and all the guys that, that were a part of this, uh, all of our, of our deacons. And we want to present this to you. And we thought about framing it, Carlene, but I figured if we got the wrong color, you were going to change it anyway. So uh, on wisdom of some of our guys, so this is for you guys. We love you. We look forward uh, to serving with you. So Lord bless you. Uh, uh, um, but you, you've heard God's heart, and you've heard John's heart and Harry's heart, and, and I'm, just, I'm just excited to serve with these guys. You know, uh, Guy and Brenda have such a heart for, for married couples, and they just bring this passion that, uh, you know, because God's made a difference in their life. And, and then John talks about how, you know, God's given them a heart to, to, to share Christ with people. And, you know, and Harry's a servant, man, and he's, you know, I, we've discipled together, we've done things together. And I just look forward, guys, I'm really excited uh, to serve with you guys and look forward uh, to what God has for us. And so, church, I, I think we should be excited that God's called some good men, men of good report, uh, to serve our body. So I'm looking forward to that. Dan, would you come and lead us? We're going to sing uh, another song, and then I promise to sermon that. So, all right.